0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Andy Storch Show. I am your host, Andy Storch, and this is a show where we can come together to starve our fears, follow our dreams, and fulfill our true potential. And you know I'm all about helping you live a life of intention and helping you, like me fulfill your true potential and I've got an interview for you today that is going to fire you up especially if you work in sales you work with salespeople. Um, if you do make sure you send this to them I'm interviewing my friend Dale Dupree who is known as the copier warrior and he's also the leader and the founder of the sales rebellion where he's really trying to change the game in sales um, Dale is someone that I connected with originally on LinkedIn and started following his content and seeing all his amazing posts on a daily basis and the engagement that he was getting. He was one of those LinkedIn legends that you just wonder like, wow, is this person real? I want to meet this person. And I found out he lived in Orlando, the same town. so uh, And we got connected through friends and we eventually got together for lunch and started to really get to know each other. And he's just such a great guy who is truly... True to who he is. He's very authentic. What he talks about and goes on about on social media um, is someone that, you know, that's the way he is in real life. Uh, Dale, again, he's an epic sales trainer. He's the founder of the Sales Rebellion. Uh, He hosts a podcast called Selling Local, which I was on recently. And if you are in sales or thinking about sales or just want to change your thoughts on sales or you're in a corporate job thinking about how can I own my career more, uh, you'll want to check this interview out. We talk about all those things. And make sure you connect with Dale on LinkedIn and follow him there. And if you're in sales, check out his podcast called Selling Local. So without further ado, here is my interview, which I did live on LinkedIn with Dale Dupree. Dale Dupree, welcome to the show. Man, thanks for having me. This is a dream come true for me. I know. Well, you had me on your show. So it's the least I could do to return the favor and have you on my show and try to take take it to the next level and do it live on linkedin and facebook as well
1: yeah yeah i'm excited dude and by the way for anybody watching right now when the selling local podcast episode comes out with andy the Storch, the torch you're gonna have to want to tune in you know like no matter what is happening that day you know you've got graduation for your kids from high school it doesn't really matter you're gonna want to listen to that podcast episode so
0: well, the good news is, if you have graduation, your kids from high school, it's probably all virtual. You're going to be sitting there on Zoom anyway. So you just switch over and tune into the podcast. Exactly. Um, <laughs> all right. It was a that episode is absolutely on fire. One of the best. I've probably done hundreds of podcast episodes, and it is one of the best um, that I've done. Just a lot of fire. So let's see if we can bring a little bit of that back today. But let's start with you, Dale. You are the leader of the sales rebellion. It's something I've been following for quite some time. Maybe not everybody else has. So what the heck is the sales rebellion and why did you start it?
1: Sure. Yeah. So the origins of it go back to my father and his escapades as a copier salesperson. He eventually became the owner of a copier firm in 1984. I was born a year later. People like to say that Tona runs in my blood because of it. And and really what runs in my blood is this legacy of an amazing salesperson and That is really what has defined my outcomes and cultured me to become a rebel inside of the sales world in general. Which a lot of people hear the word rebel or they see rebellion and they think that, you know, that we're out with pitchforks and torches, but that's not the case. Right. We're rebellion built on hope, built on people, you know, putting them before products, on fellowship over negotiations. This idea of, quitting the crappy pitches and giving people experiences that they deserve and just a whole new look at what sales is altruistically. It's servant leadership first and foremost before anything else. And so trying to, to help the landscape out there currently in the sales world to understand that there's more to it, that you can build a legacy, that you can impact lives and that you can be much more than just some transactional salesperson hitting a quota every month.
0: Love it. And uh, I was going to ask you, you know, why do we need a, a rebellion? What is broken in the sales world? What's not working?
1: Man, I think we could spend two hours of me ranting about just that, but let's break it down to a couple of different pieces. One is, is that, like I was just stating, that salespeople are very transactional, they're not relationship um, driven. And so, because of that, most of what comes out of a transaction is it's not necessarily desired by the buyer in regards to the communication, in regards to the fulfillment. There's a lot to it, right? But but the bottom line being that salespeople don't put enough skin in the game when it comes to the deal that they're writing and the people that they're getting to know in the community that they're serving. In most cases, they stay disconnected. They use the cop out and excuse of it being business so that they don't have to connect with other people and they don't have to get, you know, intimate with somebody and, and they, and, and that makes it harder for them to lie and cheat and steal. Right? So they, so they don't want to do those things. And, and I think that that's the big overall perspective that if you talk to somebody outside of sales, The majority of them say things like, oh yeah, this is how I look at a salesperson. And they stereotype the sales world as a used car salesman, right? All the tricks, all the gimmicks, all all the little things that make you feel dirty after the transaction is done, especially as the buyer, because of the way that this person or that people inside of the industry treat you. So, you know, I, I think that really like starting from the basics of understanding that sales is broken in general. And from the perspective of what it's truly meant to do, um, and that it doesn't give a a holistic, it doesn't have a holistic approach, and it doesn't give a desirable experience to the buyer, is a, is a problem. And and we have to get back to the days of where people would say, oh yeah, Dale's my copier guy, and not you know yeah I buy some brand from some company I can't remember their name, but they're usually here within four hours to
0: fix it. <laughs> yeah, they're they're somewhat reliable. I, I might call them. I, I think if I can find the guy's name, I remember him. Um, you know, Because the other thing is the whole world and all of business runs on sales, right? We need sales. And yet so many people have a negative connotation of sales, including me sometimes. And I've worked in sales for years. I have to sell for a living. And sometimes I'm like, oh, another cold call. Here comes another pitch. Here comes somebody who doesn't really care about me or doesn't seem to really want to get yes. to know me. So how do we change that? It's you're, I know you're all about putting the human back in sales and building real relationships,
1: right? I, I think it really just starts with that truth. We have sitting back and understanding like if you're the culprit that you're the culprit and coming to terms with things for yourself, you know, it, it, we, we as people in general, we tend to kind of turn a blind eye toward tough conversations. Especially with ourselves, like, yeah, you know, I don't feel like stop stopping this because
0: I'm just used to it. It right? works five percent of the time. It's getting results, <laughs> right? It's a number yeah.
1: you know. And it makes me comfortable, right? I'm yeah. comfortable doing it this way, right? That's the perspective, and I think that's where that's where it all starts to go wrong. Is that is that yeah. you know, people people are sitting back and saying to themselves from that from again from that bigger picture perspective that. It's okay. They tell themselves that, right? It's okay. This is okay, and and really, it's hurting them. Them, it's hurting people. It's it's hurting the community. It's hurting their relationships. Like we, I call them fly by night salespeople, and I dealt with them all the time, or one hit wonders all the time in the copier world, where you'd walk into a place and they'd say, "Yeah, we just bought a machine," you know, two years ago, and you, you'd ask, "Oh, what's the name of the rep?" and they'd say something like, "Well, it was this person," but. They're gone now, and I'm with this one over here. Right. And and then by the time you got to the end of that lease three years later and you were working that deal, that not only was that first salesperson in the deal still with a new company, but they were like two more companies deep. And the person that replaced them at that at that at the incumbent with the incumbent, they're in a new company too. And the incumbent is is in there. Right. So <laughs> you know, like yeah. in general, because the the focus is so off right people are very people are uh, they say to themselves this is my territory this is how i make money and and so i gotta go in. i gotta crush this thing i gotta take no prisoners you know i gotta i gotta move boxes you know from the copier perspective and and it's a shark it's a very sharky world because of that right like blood in the water let's eat everything <laughs> and 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 at the same time people get burned out by that right especially the buyer and they they don't end up becoming you know what it was that they thought the salesperson what they thought they would be if they worked 80 hours a week banging on doors, telling people that they can save them money, right? Mm-hmm. It's a bad talk track. Intrinsically, there's no value in that to begin with, right? And because humans see value in relationships as well, they see value in like giving this person my business, even though it's just this commodity product, because I believe that I'll have a different experience with them, and and we've lacked in that sector in general, as professionals, with the way that we go to market.
0: Yeah, 100%. I believe it. And I think about my own buying patterns and how I've developed relationships and see where that value comes in. Um, I recently endeavored to refinance my house and I was deluged with all these offers from companies that were going to save me money. I ended up working with a guy who was a friend of a friend who took the time to call me and talk me through the whole process and even say like, hey, I may not be the right guy for you, but you know, let's talk about what's the best options, work it through and like truly seem to care about me and what we were doing versus everybody else. who was just like, we'll save you money. We'll save you money. And uh, nobody really taking the time to get to know me. Yeah.
1: That, that part sucks for sure. And no, in, in, it- like, in that industry too, bro. right. Cause there, in some industries I would say that it's there, there it's saturated, you know, like mm-hmm. healthcare or, yeah. or real estate, right. That like Because there's so much noise, it's hard to hear the person that really wants to help you in the first place in some cases, too. So that's that's why it's super important to stand out.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next, because whether you are a completely caring, compassionate, empathetic, amazing human, you're still probably in a field of thousands of other people doing the same thing. How do you stand out? I know you've done a great job of that. And I'm curious how, you know, going back to, creating the brand that is the copier warrior now the sales rebellion you know how do you stand out from the crowd yeah
1: actions speak a lot, lot louder than the way you feel right or you know what it is that you're telling people you are you know when it comes to the way that you feel or those core values you know it's the action behind those core values those principles those ethics those emotions that you talked about and i i think that that's where it starts is that it starts with action and in in the world of sales specifically you know there's this little thing called marketing that most people just ignore altogether they think i don't need it or that's a different department you know but it's probably the most crucial department for a salesperson in general that again they typically tend to ignore in the first place so a good marketing strategy is what helps people to see like you just talked about the brand that you represent So whether it was the copier warrior or whether it's the sales rebellion, to be able to allow people to evaluate you before you ever shake their hand or ever have an interaction with you is important. It's that first impression concept and a first impression that's made up by them and not forced by you, which makes it more altruistic and it's in that raw state. And that's how you find your tribe. That's how you, you get people to turn their head and to say, man, there's 60 of you calling on me. Uh, but this is this is unique. This feels valuable. This feels like it's worth my time and time is the currency of sales. and And when you can get time from somebody and have them exchange attention in those moments as well too, you've won. and and, and the attention comes through this idea of being bought in. I'm bought in, I'm listening. Tell me more. you know and and even in the pro, in the process of the the buyer listening, though, really what what sets a, a, a good salesperson apart, is their ability to make the prospect feel, right? And so there's there's a limited amount of talking in that, but your words move mountains, right? So your copy, your content, your brand itself, the, what you name your company, what you call your yourself in the field, you know, as a personal brand is concerned. Those things are very important. They shouldn't be taken lightly. You shouldn't just use the word ninja because it sounds good with IT. Be you know because it's easy to 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 use. You should be thinking deeper. You should be thinking about things that drive and motivate you and that you're passionate about, right? And you know, so the copier warrior was a legacy. My father was the copier legend, right? And so I was just his spawn. And that was the whole story behind it. Was was epic and big, you know. And and we've even articulated internally and visualize this idea of the sales rebellion kind of killing the copier warrior and burying him, right? Like almost like the copier warrior became 101 like Moses style and like walked off into the desert and, and died. Right. And, and that he's been buried and hidden somewhere and that the sales rebellion is the, is the key to that, that we were the people that found the tomb and found all this, the relics and the info and the teachings that nobody knows about, right? Except for this person, because sales is so lost and, And broken to begin with. And when you can create that aesthetic and those visuals and that buy-in inside of what it is that you're putting out in the first place, instead of just like this fancy business card with this red stripe running down it and your your cell phone, and then a QR code that takes you to the exact same thing on the internet with all the same information. Good for (laughs) you, right? I mean, like those are the types of things we don't think through enough. Our first impressions, the way that we're portraying ourselves to people in general, we we take shortcuts, and because of it, we
0: lose. Yeah, I do it all the time. Um, I love the uh, <laughs> well. You know, you got to take shortcuts in some areas, but you got to be. But it's about being thoughtful about how you come across your brand, your reputation. You talked about marketing, building that brand, and I love the idea of the, the copier warrior being put to rest in the desert uh, with only the sales rebellion leaders being able to find. I, I see movies, sequels, prequels. Uh, just imagining you know, this, the Star Wars trilogy or nine, whatever it's called with Obi-Wan and everything else. Um, we're talking about salespeople, right? What about everybody else? I'm in a corporate job. I'm not in sales. I don't do sales. I work in finance, HR, marketing, maybe whatever it is. Uh, should those people people be thinking about marketing, thinking about building a brand, thinking about reputation, things like that?
1: Absolutely. you know, Because the brand goes further than just, even for a salesperson, even translating to the marketplace, it also translates internally to your people just the same. And so those that support you, those that you support. And so, you know, having brands internally inside of different departments is important, just the same. Um, even like, like, let's look at it like this, like sales teams. One of my favorite thing is when sales teams have, you know, multiple branches and multiple teams inside of each branch and they name their, their unit, Right. I think one of my favorites was sales team six, like the, the Marine guys, right? You know, yep. we, I had a team name, you know, at one of my organizations, cause we had two teams in in the bullpen. And it was the net new kids on the block and net new was like this focus we had around bringing in new marks that never did business with us. And so that it allows you to take pride and create a core principle around also around your vision and your mission as well too. And I think that departments, you know, that's important for them because if the company has this vision and this vision and this mission and these core values, how are you carrying it out individually? Like what is your role? What is your persona? So, and I think that the core, like, again, like I said earlier, business is a cop-out. And the word, word corporate doesn't mean anything to me. It, it, to me, like I'm building a corporation from scratch. I'm starting with, you know, people, which is what makes that corporation up. And and the difference being that I'm coming up in a generation, you know, I'm a millennial that will take a different approach and a different look, right? And I, I think Gary V is one of the best people to look at in, in a sense of how he built his company, mm-hmm. where they're massive, yet he people are still the most important thing at that organization, right? You haven't seen on Glassdoor yet, you know, a hundred people saying these guys suck and don't go work here, right? I mean, and there's a reason for that because they're very intentional with the way that they empower their people. And I think that starts with us though. It doesn't, your leader doesn't need to be Gary Vee. Your leader can be Chuck Williams, (laughs) right? The idea is, is that Sometimes they also need inspiration from the people that are within their four walls just the same, you know, because I'll tell you that when I became the copyright, warrior, they weren't like super excited about it, you know, what is all this? What are these, you know, why isn't our company logo on here? Well, I'll show you, give me three months, right? And then number one rep 90 days later and never looked back, right? That was the, the proof in the pudding and all they needed to be able to say, let's let this guy be authentic, radically authentic and do his thing. And, and it influenced other people as well too, not just in my company, but in other organizations. And so I've seen it, I've seen how it plays out all the way through. And I'm telling you that there's no bad ending to it at all. Because mm-hmm. even if you get fired,
0: good. You
1: shouldn't <laughs> have been there in the well, first place. Say, what
0: if you are doing those things to build your brand, you name yourself, you start putting content on LinkedIn, whatever it is, and your company comes and says, you need to stop this or you're gonna go. And they're putting pressure on you not to do it you're saying if if you get fired then it's probably for the best you know like what kind of
1: environment is that is always my question and like that's an excuse too for you to sit back and be like oh i had to stop because my company said so like they don't control your outcomes they don't decide whether or not you'll be successful they don't get to any kind of say other than what it is that the structure that they've built for you internally in those four walls walking away from that is the biggest freedom you will ever feel in your life to begin with And I'm not telling people to sit around and buck the system. Again, like the rebellion is not some violent group going around (laughs) ruining corporate culture, right? It's trying to maintain the integrity behind the ethics that corporate culture started out in the first place to protect, to begin with, right? Putting in massive HR structures so that people come first, right? But actually making that a reality and not being preferential and not saying, oh, well, we like it this way, right? That There is definitely, you know, if you're coming to, to to work and like, you know, a bikini every day and you're a man, you know, um, that's a little weird, you know, to some extent. And so like, and if it's got little tassels on it too, like, I mean, it's cute. I'm sure you look cute, but like, it's kind of strange and it's not necessarily the right environment for that either. So you also have to be have an awareness inside of the brand that you're building of, well, if I'm going to be aware of myself and be authentically me, I also need to be aware of other people and how I accommodate Right. The way that they're looking in to begin with. Because if I want them to believe in me, I can't force this on them. I have mm-hmm. to get buy in from them. And so, you know, the copier warrior still wore, um, you know, a tie and a three piece suit, but he had a hat on that said the copier warrior, right? A very non traditional way um, and ways I would represent myself everywhere that I went aesthetically. Like sometimes I just had a sword I lugged around with me that I took, you know, to big RFPs where 11 of my competitors were. That said the copier warrior on it. And people were like, wow, what a nerd. And then, and then every single time that I won, I drank my coffee like it was their tears in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point, right? Is that that when you take the risk and you and you put yourself in vulnerable positions, yeah. you grow, you become better. And your focus isn't about at that point, isn't about making money and kicking everybody's ass. It's about servants leadership more so than anything else. Like I look like this, I act like this and I am like this because I'm going to connect with my buyer better than anyone else in this room because I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to open up a door that nobody ever opens up. And even if they don't like it at first, I promise you at some point they'll come They'll come back and be like, yeah, we just really enjoyed the experience with you. And, and so even if we're not going with you, we just want you to stay in touch.
0: <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Which means you're still top of mind for future opportunities. You mentioned going for it, trying stuff, uh, learning, right? So even if it doesn't work out, you learn from the opportunity. And I'm sure um, you try so many things, there have been some things that didn't work out. What are some bigger failures or things you tried that just, that did not work?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that, but I'll preface it with this, like a lot of it was very experimental, you know, Mm. and, and almost to the point of um, that I probably could have even done more research. I just got a little lazy and was oh, and I shouldn't say lazy, I was more I was more in tune with action than I was with procrastination. And so like I would tell myself, no, I don't do all that that hype work because you're just procrastinating. And that was kind of a lie at, at the you same time. Like, yeah. Really, it's just about it's about it's about taking action, but it's also about just having a little common sense. Um, because again, there were a couple of times that maybe a couple of lines that came out of my mouth, they, they were manipulative or, you know, I walked in a, a back door of a company, um, where I had an employee let me in, you know, and then I lied, you know, when I got in there, like, how'd you get in here? Oh, I, uh, I, you one of your employees let me in. No, no, no. Like, how'd you get in here? I just told you. Right? Instead of being like, "I drove back here uh, because I knew this was the back door, and I knew that I could get back here and see you. <laughs> right? So a lot of it came down to the this idea of kind of trying to mask the things that I was doing to see mm-hmm. if they would work and which is manipulative, right? and And it was it was, there was some of the best learning moments and in, in developing my brand and my my outreach methods. I, the The thing that I, I fell on was this idea of interrupting people's typical patterns. But not by like throwing a rock in their face as hard as you can, right? And saying, look at me, you know, like, but doing it in a very subtle yet, you know, loud enough way that was still articulate enough that though it was loud, it wasn't ear piercing, right? That would make somebody smile, that would make somebody feel that they mattered, that would make somebody laugh, <laughs> even at the same time, too. The best way to break the ice. Humor is, it's this passive way to kind of help people to connect with you that we don't talk about enough. But I'd say my biggest failure <laughs> ever was using my crumpled letter, which is um, a a cadence that I developed. Uh, we call it the Rebel Letter Campaign inside of the Rebellion, and it's it's five total touch pieces, um, you know, plus follow ups, which goes along with the line in line with this idea of how many you know licks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop for lack of a better way to put it and being a millennial and being a nerd about things like that. But I sent, I sent a letter out to a guy, um, and I just did it the wrong way. I didn't approach it correctly. I, I, I forced it. I pushed it. I really wanted this person's business. And by the time I finally got him on the phone and talked to him, he, hit, he felt dirty in the way that I had done it, you know, that I had, mm. had kind of gone around the normal system. I'd gotten other people on the phone and pretended like I wasn't who I said I was. Mm. And again, this was in those beginning stages of me understanding that honesty and truth in my career was going to be very important. And, you know, learning from my father from that perspective as well too, and learning that like white lies are a thing and they're bad. Mm. And and, and so that was why one of my biggest failures, but I'll tell you, it was funny because I actually, a couple years later, I went back and I did, I had evolved the, the, the letter campaign outside of it just being this one letter to being multiple letters. And I did it again. Right. And I did it the right way. And, and I got him on the phone and he had forgotten who I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So you can always write the wrongs inside of the way that you're doing these things too. Yeah. And, and really because it comes back to this, not this idea of like, oh, I'll sneak back in, but saying that I'll do this in the right way this time. And I'll earn this person's respect for coming back. Number one. And number two, they probably don't even remember you because so many salespeople treat them like garbage, lie to them and manipulate them in the first place that they've forgotten. (laughs) It's a sad truth, but it's, it's reality.
0: Well, I like that you've, you've been there. You've done some of that stuff. You've made some of the mistakes. It's the foundation for, what becomes the sales rebellion? So you can help other people with that. I don't think people want to follow fallible leaders. They don't want perfection, right? It becomes intimidating. And you know, I'm putting my book out there soon. Own your career, own your life. I want people to be more intentional and take ownership of their careers. I've done. I did a lot of dumb stuff in my 20s and wasted a lot of time being in the wrong jobs and and just not being intentional. And I tell those stories in the book because I woke up. And now I wanna help other people do the same thing. It's not that I've always been perfect and here, look at me, do the same. And I know you've had plenty of those experiences, you've been through those challenges and that makes your message even more powerful as you build the movement.
1: Yes, yes, I appreciate you saying that for sure. But, cause I think being intentional is the the one thing that most people miss in general with their careers is is that word and that action. Being intentional is like one of the most important things that you can do intentionally learn and go and create your own experiences to build your business acumen to help uh, with your business aptitude or your sales aptitude at that. And, and don't be afraid of that. Don't think that just because you picked up a book and read all these great ideas too, suddenly makes you bet the best, you still have to go and implement those things and try those things and, and manipulate your your own outlook to an extent, right? Because when you read these things, you think, oh, this is going to make me a lot of money. Well, you got to change that outlook and you got to say, this is going to help me to serve my community. And when you take that approach and you turn the tables on yourself and your selfish self that we all inherently have, then everything changes and your outcomes are different.
0: Yeah, and we're definitely aligned on that message of being more intentional. When you start working with salespeople, I know you do a lot of sales training now and coaching uh, as part of the sales rebellion. How do you help them get more intentional with their careers? What's what's the advice or how do where do people usually start?
1: Most people, we find that most people just don't even understand how that word applies to their career. Mm. And it, most people are so worried about <clears throat> still having their job in 120 days um, that it's hard for them to be intentional, that they think that being intentional means not losing the job or, you know, like surviving this time this next 120 days or hitting the quota, right, that they've been given or the KPIs that they've been told, the metrics they've been told to achieve. But intentional to be intentional is to start back at, at your core, right? Go to your roots, your rebellious roots and to say, who am I? Why am I here doing this? And And like, what's the purpose when it comes to the outcome, not just in this moment, in 2020, in my third year as a salesperson, in my 20th year as a salesperson, right? But but really having this, this concept of understanding that I'm intentionally doing these things for a bigger purpose. And having that micro look or that macro look helps you to come b- back to the micro itself. And to say, okay, well, this is what my end goal looks like. It, you know, and I don't know that, that this will be the same as the other thing that you gotta kind of tell yourself too. Be, be accepting and the plan's changing, right? in the process when it comes to the, micro, the macro itself. But that's where the micros come in because they can be consistent. Because it can be like intentionally building a better relationship with your spouse. Intentionally being home to see your kids before they go to bed every night or as often as possible based on your travel, things like of that nature. Be intentional about taking them out. If you got four, taking one of them out every week to, to spend in you know intentional and very interactive time with them from that perspective. And I think that I should mention that all these things are my dad's playbook, right? I grew up watching this. Be intentional about when you pull up to a stoplight and there's a homeless man standing there and you feel bad and you give him a dollar, right? Be intentional about that moment. Talk to him or her. Ask them what they're doing. See how you can serve. Be intentional when someone calls and says, Hey, I really need a copier. And instead of you just like losing your mind, right, and saying, Oh my god, an inbound lead, this is amazing. Say why? Be intentional to learn, right? Be intentional to understand, be intentional to serve. And when you can when you can really apply this methodology, it everything slows down for a moment, first off which is exactly where you need it to be because most in most careers in general, not just sales, people are, are 90 miles an hour with their hair on fire every day catching up, right? And if we would just slow down and be more intentional, you wouldn't be catching up anymore. You would, you would be able to say, I need to spend more, I need to allocate more time here. I need to take it away over here. Even, and this makes me uncomfortable to say and do even, but I'm gonna do it because it's a risk I'm willing to take to be able to create growth from an intentional perspective.
0: Mm, I love that intentionality. And what I'm also hearing from you is the importance of curiosity, curiosity for yourself and what your values and priorities are, what you care about and curiosity for those people around you, your clients, your colleagues, your coworkers, really getting to know people uh, when that person calls, ask for a copier and uh, asking why, right? Getting, digging deeper. I actually got the version of that in my world. Very recently someone messaged me on LinkedIn and said, Hey Andy, I need, can you recommend X, I need a copier, right? The version of that in the learning and development world. And I said, well, let's get on Zoom and catch up and chat, it's been a while anyway. And we did, and it turned out to be this much bigger need, deeper need below the surface that uh, hopefully my colleague and I are gonna be a helper with, uh, but never would have got to that if I just wrote back and, and just gave her the recommendation she asked for in a quick LinkedIn message without digging in and really asking the why behind the request.
1: Yes, agreed 100%. So and I think the curiosity piece is is much bigger than people allow it to be because psychologically it plays a massive role in the way that people perceive you number one and and also in the way that you become intrinsically motivated by allowing curiosity to be something that drives you in general Right, it takes all the boring, bland, stale things in your life and turns them into rainbows everywhere, right? And unicorns everywhere, and that's the idea: is that when you can be more curious, you can be more creative. You can you can give better experiences. You can have better experiences, which will motivate and drive you to do things differently, and and to be better at what it is that you're doing in the first place. Um, but the big picture too, for me is again, like going back to the servant leadership concept, it serves others to help them to be curious. You know, I think of, I, you know, there's, everybody knows the movie and there's many of them, right. Where, the whole time you're watching this one character that just goes like eight to five and does the same thing over and over again. And then in their like in their personal walk, even like when they get home, they read the newspaper in the morning, they, they watch a TV show and they eat a freaking microwaved, you know, heated up dinner. And, and you watch that. And, and the thing about it is, is that we never really question those things when we watch them either. That's the, the craziest part is we watch them when we go like, yeah, that's a normal life, right? Like that's a boring life. And like, and, and furthermore, that's a life that doesn't, motivate one to be better and to create a better community around them as well too. coming back to that intentional concept. Right. But curiosity allows us to, to that, to ask like, well, how could this be different? Right. Or, Hmm, I wonder if I did this, what would happen? And, and that curiosity drives us in in an extreme way. Some, in some cases, which is a good thing to get out of our comfort zone and to take a risk. And it's in those moments that we grow and are fulfilled the most, right? Because, I'll tell you straight up. Uh, I had a I had a rep. There's a great story actually around this. I had a rep. He was very skeptical. It was my second company that I worked for in the copier world. He was very skeptical about going and dropping off a crumpled letter for somebody. He did it. He was real nervous and he shook the whole time. Well, the letter opened up a door for the in this late with this lady that she felt connected to him through what he had done. She called him on his cell phone, asked him to come back. Dude, the the kid called me up from the car and was like, I don't even know how to handle this. Like this lady told me about her struggles with leukemia and almost losing her daughter, you know, because she was pregnant with her. And he he said, man, I just listened. And I said, great, you did the right thing. Right. But he he sparked so much curiosity in this person in this in this transaction this very commoditized transaction Mm -hmm. to the point that it impacted them and it changed her the way that she looked at this relationship with this other person and i'm sure it freed her in those moments to talk about some of these things that she had been struggling with and holding back on and it all started with this little crumpled letter and when she asked him because he was so loose and so nervous when she asked him you know well tell me about yourself he he told the story of coming to the to the the United States and his parents and the struggles that he's had to get here and like and he and he told it in a way that in his mind he was thinking, oh God, am I giving too much information? Even right as he was telling me back, it wasn't the but, normal
0: sales pitch. It was actually his real story.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> isn't that a wild thought, bro? Like that we can we don't need a pitch. All we need is to be authentically us and and radically educate those that we get. The opportunity to be in front of that are giving us their time and attention, and and boom, you have the birth of something that can can change the landscape of and the outcomes, I should say, of people's success.
0: So powerful, um, curiosity. We we touched on in, intentionality and curiosity. My last question, uh, Dale, is that. I'm coming out with this new book soon called own your career own your life and uh we already touched on the intentionality and curiosity but i'm curious just to hear from you when you hear that phrase own your career or own your life what does that mean for you you know i i've always owned mine and so i think
1: what the problem is though is that in the process of owning mine like if i go back to even touring in my band and really trying to make that work and, and, you know, hitting 50, 50 days, you know, 40 something States, 50 days in a row without any label support, without any, any money guarantees and risking, you know, so much in the, in the process of that at 17 years old, you know, just turning 18 that, you know, I, I sit back and look at it and I think of all the people that I ran into that when they heard our story, they were like, oh man, I wish I could do that. Right. Or or you know, they would hear the story and they'd go, What? You did you're doing what? And and to me, like that's that's it. It's because so many people are so that adhe- well, they're they're shackled to the status quo, is the best way to put it, right? They're they are they are literally just obeying, you know, this thing that has told them this is what life is. Separate your business life from your personal walk. Don't show people your cards, lie when necessary right that's that's people not owning their life that's people allowing the stereotypes of what business is and what it's what it's cultured in them to own them and to control them and and that that's a big piece of the puzzle I think you know really it's just about it's about the person that we were just talking about right in the movie where one day they wake up and they're and they're in Vegas they're like I'm just gonna go to Vegas for the night right and they just wake up and they just go to Vegas and then like yeah you know some bad things happen right but like, you know, they have the best time of their life. And, and, and it's in those moments that these people become owners of their outcomes Mm. of their life. Right. And that's it.
0: So basically what I'm hearing is, you know, people say, Oh, I wish I could do that. It's doing the things that you wish you could do. It's living the life that you want to live. It's taking those chances and going after those dreams. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. At least you gave it a shot. You're living life on your terms you're headed you're you're going after those big goals in your own career and truly taking ownership of that process.
1: Listen, this is your eulogy if you don't do these things. Here lies a man or a woman that had all these dreams and aspirations that were built up inside of them that they never let loose. And instead, they had a very vanilla, plain, boring, bland life. They didn't impact people. They didn't their kids were kind of okay. Their their relationship with their parents was, man, eh, it was all right." You know, they, they hang hung out every other Thanksgiving, you know, when it wasn't an election year, you know, that that's, that's the outcome. The outcome is that people will remember you for what you are, right? Not what you pretend to be, not what it is that other people are controlling the outcome of. They remember you for what you are. And until you decide that you're something much bigger, that's motivated to be able to do something different. And I'm not saying that everybody and their mom needs to go and like decide like, I wanna be a celebrity, that's not the point. I built a community as a copier salesperson that you would not recognize if you were a copier person at all. You would say, what is this? How did you do this, right? I was at, these people that I served were at my dad's funeral in 2016, thousands of people, right? In a room that held 900 folks, it was packed. People standing, people sitting on each other, lined out the back door just to pay respects to a guy that sold them a box that spits paper out. And, and you would have sworn that my dad had literally changed their lives and that he that you would have sworn that he had done something more than just sold them a copy. Well, he did, right? He did it through communication. He did it through taking chances and risking You know, this idea of like, maybe these people won't like me if I tell them that I believe in God, right? But it's okay because that's who I am and I'll express that every day. And maybe some people don't like to be vulnerable, but I know they need help. And so I'm gonna offer it anyway. And I'm gonna take that risk and I'm gonna show up in those moments. And my dad's eulogy and my dad's funeral was much different than the one that I just told you because of it. It was a room that was not just the saddest place you've ever been, but it was fired up. It was fired up to to continue and maintain what he had created, the culture of relationships that he had had sparked and developed. And it will, and and it always will through the sales rebellion, and it always will through the people that he touched, without a doubt. That's what people have to decide, man. Are you willing?
0: Powerful. Very powerful. We'll drop the mic on that. Dale, for anybody listening who wants to join the sales rebellion or follow you, where do they go next?
1: salesrebellion.com is a great place to go. If you just want to Google Dale Dupree, you can find a ton of content as well too, from all kinds of different sources. If you're on social, especially daily on LinkedIn, I post content, linkedin.com backslash IN backslash copier warrior, every social site, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, URL is backslash salesrebellion or at salesrebellion, depending on the platform.
0: Boom. And Dale is creating great content every day, especially on LinkedIn. Always learn from you, get inspired by you. Dale, thank you so much for being here. This has been awesome. I'm fired up. Hope everybody else is as well. Uh, For those of you who tuned in live, thank you so much. For those of you listening at home, thank you for tuning in. Hope you got something from this and you go out and take some action and we'll see you next time.